Hello and welcome to the King Hero's Journey. My name is Beth Martins and I'm here with a special guest, Mr. Phil McClellan, who is the owner of Parlor Tattoos here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And um, I'll just talk for a few minutes. This is a kind of surprise time we're talking or that we're, we're jumping on here. I'm going to turn off this. There we go. And uh, so even though Phil's not really into it, we are in a mercury retrograde and uh, it does influence the way that things have to flow with communication and travel and all those kind of things. So we had first planned to come on earlier and then the system says we're coming on later, but here we are now. <laughs> and uh, when I heard Phil's story about opening against the public orders, I thought like, yes, we should all be doing this. I feel very fortunate that my business is online and I don't depend on, you know, street traffic and people coming in. And so nobody luckily tells me what to do with my business. And it's been actually a really wonderful year meeting a whole bunch of new people in the truth community. Uh, so, but I have a lot of compassion for you because having a, a street front brick and mortar business is a huge responsibility. And as we talked about earlier, I have a strong affection for entrepreneurs. I know what they go through to live their lives. And wow, it's easier to get a job. <laughs> but some of us can't sit back and, and be told what to do, right? My dad was that person. My mom was that person. And so watching them, and yes, they worked their asses off, but they also enjoyed a lot of freedoms as a result. And, uh, you know, we are in a very strange situation with our governments right now where they are pushing and pulling people. And when you work in a job, they're forcing you to do this and forcing you to do that. You got to wear a mask and you got to distance and you got to sanitize yourself and all kinds of stuff. And personally, I love that nobody tells me what to do and, and how to do my business. And the next time, if I have to pay taxes, it's going to be under duress. I'm going to be very clear yep. that I, the only reason I'm doing that is because I'm being forced under threat. So yep. uh, hello, Candace. Nice to see you. And uh, so I'll turn it over to you, Phil. So great to have you here. Congratulations on the efforts that you've made. I'm looking forward to hearing your story. Do you want to just say a little bit about yourself for those who don't know you? Uh, well, my name is Phil McClellan. Uh, most people know me by Fat Phil. It's my uh, pet name or industry name, I guess. Uh, Family, we have a family of six. Uh, I've been tattooing for, I think it's 33 years. I'm not very good at keeping track of things like that. I also guessed at how many years I haven't smoked or drank, so, and I'm almost always wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, but you're right, you know, I, I think there's a huge misconception with the average Canadian citizen on the monies that were made available by the federal and provincial governments and uh, how little that actually means to a brick and mortar business on a daily basis. Um, you know, I've heard the arguments, uh, my shop, for instance, we charge $80 an hour, but we're probably one of the least expensive professional qualified tattoo studios in Canada. Um, I charge $80 an hour because I still believe that this is the working class form of artwork and that it needs to be an affordable rate for working class individuals. There's lots of studios that charge $130, $160, $180 an hour. Um, 
But even those studios, you know, a lot of people say, well, look at the amount of money they make. They must not be hurting that bad. What they don't realize is, is that our, our, our take home in dividends is literally pennies on the dollar. We tattoo because we love tattooing. Um, that's not to say that, uh, you know, I live in desolation or anything like that. But when that, when the government hands out these funds with these social welfare programs, um, it's not even enough to help your business survive, let alone supplement income for living expenses on top of that. Um, so I think that, I think that it's e easy for people um, from their homes who are, are those working class citizens to say, hey, he got $15,000 through the provincial government programs and not realize that that didn't even cover the rent for while we were closed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, exactly. Uh, I was thinking about this earlier before we talked, uh, before we jumped on and I think most entrepreneurs end up uh, tricking themselves into being in business. I know there are some that they love business and they go for business, but like you said, you're doing this because you love art, right? And yeah. uh, and yeah. that's right. That's what got me into business. I loved health and spirituality, and uh, now I love the truth. And I, I can't imagine myself doing really anything else. So I have to make a living at it. Otherwise, this is this is my full time life. And so, uh, right, so, you know, we're in a very corrupted system. And in fact, it's not even right to say it's corrupted. It is designed this way. We spent a lot of time over the last year studying law, studying finance, and studying yep. the, the fraud of the whole system. And yep. coming to the conclusion that, you know, I think at the end of the day, and we're pretty close to the end of the day right now, we're going to have to take this all into our own hands and start serving each other and cut out the middleman, right? We don't need the government to govern our minds or our business. We don't need the banks in between every transaction that takes place. They make a billion dollars a day on transactions alone, right? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, and I had this conversation with somebody yesterday or the day before, uh, we were speaking about fiat currency and they never heard the term. And I said, well, if you're open to going down the rabbit hole, I'm more than happy to explain it to you. And at the end of the day, when, because everybody's heard of the gold standard, most people have heard of the gold standard, and they understand that the dollar is no longer based on a tangible dollar's worth of gold or a dollar's worth of silver. The average person can understand that. But when you get into how they've fraudulently set up banking laws and regulations, um, uh, you know, creating money with the stroke of a pen, only 10% in perpetuity and actual deposit while they lend out the other 90% at interest that was never created to begin with. People are shocked. They're absolutely shocked. And, but they're understanding it. And, uh, you know, all of this talk of, of, uh, you know, the, the great reset and stuff like that just thinks of a way to be able to cover up the fact that the average citizen is starting to realize, you know, when, when Greece collapsed and there was a run on the banks, I think that was the first time in our modern times when Paul said, wow, how did that happen? I don't understand how a, a, 
a booming economy suddenly collapses upon itself. And one word leaked out that, well, that's fiat currency. It's money created at the stroke of a pen or at the stroke of a keyboard that doesn't have any tangible wealth at all attached to it. That's what ends up happening. And and you're right. I, I think I don't know how much longer they can hang on to this system. <laughs> I mean, they've hung on to it this long. But, you know, um, with technology, it, it's it's more obtainable. The information is more obtainable for the average person who's interested in understanding why or how to get here. And I think that directly relates to the overreach of our government during this pandemic um, to try and get a grip back on the average citizen now to steer away from these these pieces of information that are out there. I've always mm-hmm. said to people, you know, they, they don't hide it. They're not hiding it from you. You know, it, it's not a conspiracy theory. They'll tell what they're doing. You can go to their very own website. They'll explain it to you in plain English. But the average citizen is too interested in looking at a Boxing Day TV. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You got it, exactly. Yeah, they have to tell us what they're doing to us. I was just driving quickly into town now, and uh, the first thing I see is the sign telling me that uh, there are red light cameras and, and that there is, uh, I can't remember what exactly the sign says, but that's how they get out of the responsibility. Then then it becomes my fault. So if that's I get right. a ticket, right, it's on my head. And that's why they keep telling us what they're going to do to us, what they are doing to us. And yeah. uh, and then as and then when we consent, even though we some of us don't know, maybe some people don't see that sign or they didn't see the the signs coming, but uh, ignorance is no excuse in that system. Yeah, that's right. Well, I I think that falls under some weird contract law of uh, well, I hate to use the terms in relation to the government, but of acting honorably, where that's considered fair notice. Whether exactly. you've read the sign or not, we've displayed the sign in such a fashion that you should have noticed the sign, and just because you didn't notice it, you can't plead ignorance to the fact that everybody else seen the sign. Mm-hmm. And and I think you're right. I think that's exactly why they go out of their way to inform us of these things, um, but blind us and distract us with other things so people, people aren't interested in it. Um, you know, I, I've always liked the saying, people only understand from their perspective of understanding. And, and you can sense those people. People that are genuinely interested in understanding why or how something operates um, are inquisitive. Whether they take that information any further than what you give them is entirely up to them. Um, but you can also see people who, oh, yeah, cool, and on their way they go. And... You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie and say that there's been times where I wish I didn't know what I knew. I wish I didn't go down the rabbit hole to see where it was going because it, it consumes you when you see how interconnected. And you're right, you can't, you can't call it corruption because it wasn't like it was an honorable system that became corrupted. It was designed this way. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. I'm so glad uh, that you're hip to all these tricks. And, and it is a pain in the ass to wake up because it represents a whole lot of work. 
I never wanted to, I say saying this repeatedly now, but I never wanted to study law and finances, but here I am diving in, learning as much as I possibly can so that, uh, you know, because they treat us basically, and, and we are effectively wards of the state. We are like children who cannot be responsible. And so that's why uh, it, it works so well when you have perpetrators that are are giving these messages like we're keeping you safe, we're looking after you, we've got your back, we've got your best interest. And, and then it uh, for those people that don't want to assume responsibility and don't even know that they're not assuming responsibility, that's it's just the perfect fit between them. So uh, hello Zulu one and Jill McFarland in the uh, in the chat just said disclosure they show but can't tell. Yep, you got it. And uh, so as far as I know, you were I know in other cities in Canada, there have been business owners that went rogue and decided to open and, and deal with the fallout. I don't know of anybody else in, in Manitoba, maybe I just totally missed it. But congratulations for going against the orders. To me, that's an amazing uh, display of bravery. What moved you? How did you get to that point where you decided to open and just ignore the orders? Uh, well, I guess there's a whole lot connected to it. I mean, when I started tattooing, if you made $150 in a week, it was a banner week. Um, I grew up in a port city in, in Halifax. Um, sometimes we would open the shop. The shop was only open Friday, Saturday. We'd open at supper time and we'd have to all night until the wee hours of the morning or until they stopped coming in. And back then you tattooed them drunk or stoned. It didn't matter because you that's how you earned a living. And those were the people getting tattooed. Um, and you still had to go to the food bank because you didn't earn enough. Um, fast forward all these years later and it's become more of a uh, uh, socially acceptable um, although our clientele hasn't changed a whole lot, the rules around it have, um, not only because of our own um, uh, morals and ethics, um, but because of those morals and ethics, we've worked hand in hand with the health department to develop rules and regulations for other shops to abide by. So it's a level playing field. Um, you find yourself being no longer the rough and tumble back alley tattoo guy anymore. And now you're the, for lack of a better term, I'm not great defuse guy. I'm surprised they haven't sworn yet. <laughs> you can swear. Um, you can swear. Let it rip. We're good. It's all these, adults here. Guys, <laughs> these guys, what ends up happening is that my whole career as of late, we've had this shop. Me and my wife opened this shop six years ago. When people used to complain or make a complaint, there was no internet. 20 years ago, you said, I don't give a fuck. You don't like it? Go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Now a bad review and you find yourself writing to people and saying, what could I have done to make it a five-star review instead of a four? And your life revolves around those things. Because it is your business, and you're proud of it, and you don't want bad reviews. So 
We've worked very hard with the health department and the government to make this all very legit and safe, and we weren't given any concessions. They, they certify us as infectious disease control specialists, and we were given no concessions whatsoever. They, they didn't even answer our emails. Nothing. Um, so me and my wife talked about it. The scariest part was, what's the blowback going to be from the public? Is this, is this going to destroy the reputation of the shop opening against the public health orders? Mm-hmm. Um, and we waited. We were waiting for somebody else to go first. We were. And I said, if somebody else opens, we're going to open too. Mm-hmm. And nobody did. And the first lockdown came and went. And I said, well, I guess we missed the boat, but they let us open. So now we don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. They'll never do this again because of how bad economically it was. And then came the second lockdown. And again, we waited for somebody else, and nobody stepped forward. And after a long week of late nights and crazy conversations, I said, if we wait, we're going to wait forever. We, we have to go first. And that's what other people are waiting for. Like us, we sat around and we waited. So we won't wait. We'll do it. We'll take the hit, and everybody will join in. Hmm. And... Uh, that wasn't the case. <laughs> it was it was us. Um, there were a few other places, to my knowledge, that reached out to me that said they opened, um, albeit quietly. And I don't, I do not fault them for that. I don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what came with this was outside of the scope of what I can understand. Um, I knew it was going to be a battle fighting with the government. Um, I knew it was going to be a battle fighting with, uh, you know, uh, city licensing inspectors. Um, what we didn't know was the citizen crazies that were going to come out of the woodwork. Um, people threatening my house, people threatening my family. Can you, ba- can you back up a little bit and just say, because you got day after, how many days were you open before? We were open for a week, we were open for a week straight. A week straight. Uh, so that, what, what happened during... So during those days, yeah. The first day we opened, of course, we went to the media. So um, I want to be clear. There's some people that believe that the media was complicit in squealing on us. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not what occurred. We Mm -hmm. contacted the media. um, And we contacted the media solely because there had to be a message that got to the people. It, It couldn't be by accident. We had to let... Canadian business owners and Manitoba business owners and Winnipeg business owners that they're doing this, watch us do it. And if you think that it can't be done, we're going to show you it can to drive that unity of other people will join in. Um, So the first Saturday we opened, um, I tattooed my wife uh, because I didn't want to put a client at risk. I didn't know if I mean, there's no there's no regulations written that says does the client get a ticket? Are they in violation? Um, and I couldn't do that to a client. Come down and get a two hundred dollar tattoo and leave with a thirteen hundred dollar surcharge. 
Mm-hmm. So I tattooed the wife, um, and nobody came. Tattooed her for hours. Nobody came. We were done tattooing. I said, well, I guess we'll go hang out. So we had some supporters show up out front of the shop that hung out with some coffee and stuff. And uh, we were standing outside. Two health inspectors rolled up. I'd never seen before. I'm assuming they were probably weekend guys. Um, and they asked if I was open. I said, no, I, in fact, was open. And uh, he said, uh, you know, that's against the Public Health Act. I said, yes, I understand that. And he said, okay, um, we're going to be issuing you a violation. I said, uh, no problem. Can you give me a copy of the Public Health Act? And can you show me the violation in the Public Health Act? He said he didn't have a copy and that he didn't know what the violation was. And uh, I reiterated to him, I said, you're here as a officer enforcing Public Health Act on behalf of the province of Manitoba. He said he was. I said, and you've come with no Public Health Act order that I am supposedly in violation of, and you don't even know section that I am in violation of, of the Public Health Act. Good um, he said he had a copy in his car. So he left and went and got a copy and came back. And I got the video. It's 10 minutes long of him flipping through, I think it's a 25-page document. Um, flipping back and forth, checking every page, and he literally says, I can't find it, and holds the document up in front of me and says, you're in violation. And I said, well, we've already established that. In violation of what section? And uh, they got mad and they left. He said, somebody get a hold of me later. He said, who? <laughs> he said, he didn't know. I said, when? He said, he didn't know that either. Oh my gosh, this um, Monday, is awesome. Oh, I'm so happy. Oh, it, get, it, it, it gets get, better. That, that's just the, the iceberg. So nice. Monday, there was a, a knock at the door. I went to the door, turned on my camera because I assumed that it was probably going to be somebody. Um, I opened up the door. There were two um, provincial health inspectors. And it was the two actually that were there that Saturday. And... Uh, three Manitoba sheriffs. And uh, I asked them all to identify themselves. The sheriffs didn't want to, and I kind of forced them to uh, by repeating the question. And finally, they said to Manitoba Justice. And I asked what they were doing there. And they said, uh, we're here to back them up in serving the ticket. I said, I understand that, but why? If they're bad officers, because health inspectors are badged officers. They're enforcement officers. I said, if they're enforcement officers, why do they need three law enforcement officers to serve a bylaw ticket? And uh, they didn't answer that. Um, they said, here's your ticket. I read the ticket. The ticket is issued to my wife because she is the owner on paper. Hmm. But it was served to me. So I was like, okay, well, Thanks. They said, uh, you know, we can continue to do this. I said, I'll see you tomorrow at 11 a.m. <laughs> so uh, we went in and opened up. Uh, nobody came down Tuesday. Wednesday we opened up. My health inspector that I know, Steve Cam, and his supervisor came down. And uh, the door is always locked as per COVID protocol. 
to control access. Um, so he knocked on the door, opened the door, and asked if I could help him. He said, are you open? I said, yes. He said, here's your ticket. It was already filled up, pre-filled up. Here's your ticket. I, uh, I asked him at that time, I said, am I not allowed to be open for curbside pickup? And he said, yes. And I said, okay. And he left. That day I gave an interview, I believe it was with CTV, and on purpose I mentioned that on neither of these occasions did anybody enter my studio, neither health inspector visit, did enter the studio to see if there was anybody in there or if I was tattooing. And they had already confirmed that I was allowed to be open for curbside pickup. Um, the following day... <laughs> I happened to be doing an interview with a student from Red River College who was doing an interview for online for a grade. And uh, we just happened to be talking. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? I can hear you, yes. Oh, okay. This thing beeped weird. Sorry. Okay. Tom, okay. Tom, a little technology. <laughs> um, okay. We were talking about great. the health inspector visits. And the ticket's being pre-filled out. And she's like, are you kidding me? I said, no. So I was getting a violation whether there was a violation or not. Because they were filled out at their office and they were bringing them to the shop. Um, and as I said that, I said, speak of the devil. And here they came down the street. And she goes, what's that in its hand? I said, that's the ticket. Already filled out. She goes, but they're not even here. How does he know you're doing anything wrong? I said, they don't care. Brian Pallister is mad now because every time they mention my name at the press conference, he gets screw face. So he came to the door and he said, are you open? I said, yes, I am. He said, I have to come in and inspect. And I said, absolutely, come on in. So we came in, we went through the, he tried to push by me when I tried to do the COVID protocol questions and laughed at me. I have that on video. Um, and I told them, you can't go any further in the studio until I ask you these questions. You know, like you traveled out of province, or you've been in contact with somebody who's tested positive for COVID. Have you tested positive for COVID? He walked through the studio. He handed me the ticket, actually, first. And I noticed on the timestamp in the video, we had already had maybe a four or five minute interaction. The time on the ticket is 11.30. The time on my watch is 11.29. So... So he inspected the studio, he came back out, and he mumbled to his boss, there's nobody here and they're not tattling. And I said, can you say that a little louder for my camera? And he said, no, we're done here. I said, okay, well then before you go, I want to reiterate, you've inspected the studio, and there's nobody here, and I'm not tattooing. Yes. But I, that's all I needed, have a nice day. Mm -hmm. And they left. So fast forward now a couple of weeks, we got the answer to the ticket, or answer a plea to the ticket. And with that comes disclosure. Um, all the evidence they've entered that I've done anything wrong is the interviews I gave to the media. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's, no, there's no notes of we went to the shop and he was tattooing. We went to the shop and there were people inside who looked like they've gotten tattoos. Mm -hmm. All of the evidence they've entered that I have committed this egregious bylaw or public health act infraction are the interviews I gave. Mm 
So I now have three $1,300 tickets for giving interviews. Wow. So I don't think it's going to pan out as well as they think it's going to. Um, but the takeaway for the rest of the public is what I've always said. It's a ticket. They're not coming down there and saying, give me $1,300. They're not coming down there and saying, if you just pay this ticket, we're going to cut your hands off. Mm -hmm. All they're doing is saying, here's a provincial offense notice to enter a plea to in weeks and answer in front of a judge at some time in the near future. And, and any small business owner should now be aware that it's nothing scary. Nothing scary is going to happen. Mm -hmm. A couple Brilliant. bookworms, yeah, a couple bookworms from the public health inspector's office come down and hand you a pink piece of paper that amounts to a bill that you may not even have to pay. Mm -hmm. And if you do have to pay it, I myself have already made the moment. We're not giving the government a goddamn dime. It's Excellent. just that simple. If, they, if I'm found guilty and, and I default and they say we're putting you in jail for the amount of whatever it is, those three $1,300 tickets, then they'll put me in fucking jail first because I'm not giving them a penny. Mm -hmm. If I give them money, that just says that I'm complicit in what they were doing. And I'm not. The hell with mm -hmm. that. So, mm -hmm. That's so amazing. Even if you go that route and you decide, I'm just going to pay it. They're still not going to demand that money from you. Mm -hmm. You could pay them tickets off over 10 years if you go in front of a judge and say, I just can't afford it. Can't afford to pay. But the money that I made while I was working continued to pay my bills and feed my family and keep the roof over my head. So I didn't end up on the actual social welfare program. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Which is unfortunately where, where they want you. Right, because they don't want you an independent, empowered entrepreneur who's resourceful, who will just go talk to the media and, and get a message out far and wide to the public. They want people dependent on the powers that ought not to be, basically. That's it. And I just wanted to let you know you're getting some really good uh, props in the chat here. So you got an amen from Don. And uh, Tanya said, I admire the spirit of defiance. Hello, Karen BFE and Jill. Dorota's saying that um, amazing man, thank you for interviewing him. So I just want to make sure you, you're getting that oh. props because sometimes it can feel like a thankless job to go against the system. <clears throat> and uh, so it is fascinating. And, we're, and like I said, we're studying law. If there's anybody local who wants to be part of our law group and uh, put our heads together, we've got some good heavy hitters that are advising us and people who have uh, uh, enough experience to know how to look into these things. I admire that you already know so much. You're, you're not just blindly going like, fuck you, government, I'm opening my business. You actually know some shit and you know how to ask questions, which makes you the king and the king hero in my eyes because then you are in control of the conversation and you're absolutely right, you don't have to pay that ticket. What you have to do is is uh, keep writing letters. You never even have to show up in that court. Now I shouldn't get talking too much out of turn because I know a little knowledge can be a dangerous thing and I don't wanna you know, infect anybody here that's listening to to think it's necessarily just that, just that, but really it often is just that. They don't have a basis for anything. And yeah. um, 
So do you want to share with us what happened next and what was the real reason you ended up closing your doors again? Um, well, like I said, the kooks came out in full force. Um, so it's against my family, so it's against my house, people sharing my address. And the truth of the matter is, that shit doesn't bother me. And I, you know, I said it a million times before I gave interviews. If anybody thinks that they're worthy to bring some kind of violence to my family, come on down because I'll leave you where the fuck I find you. It's that simple. If you, you don't like my husband, what's that? Sorry, it, the line cut out. Uh, you'll leave them with a what? Oh, where, where I fucking find them. <laughs> right, right where I find them. Um, if you don't like my message, that's fine. You can disagree with my message. You can disagree with my actions. You can voice your own opinion against my my opinions and, and, and actions. Um, but when you involve my family, this is a whole different aspect. Um, it, it caused great stress on my wife. Um, because you don't know. You, you don't know. 99.9% .9 of these people I've learned over my lifetime talk. They're, they're keyboard warriors who like to run their mouth and they talk a good game. I just went through this with a guy the other day who uh, we were speaking of politics, the public health order. This was just a random gentleman in a public forum and uh, he called me a, a Jesus freak or something to that effect, um, because I was defending the church in Steinbeck. And uh, I said, actually, I'm an atheist. But I 100% support their charter-protected right mm -hmm. to go to church. Like, when we as a society, and again, I, I have... I have very serious questions and problems with organized religion. I do, but I absolutely believe that everybody has some sort of faith in something. Now, whether that's an omnipotent being or a plastic bucket full of mud in the corner is irrelevant. If that's the reason why you get up every day and you put one foot in front of the other and you go about your business and you treat people reasonably, believe in whatever you like. But I do believe that it's your right to do these things. And they're protected rights. People automatically assume, like this gentleman, that because I was defending the actions of the church, that I was somehow connected to church. And this seems to be the argument of a lot of people, no matter what the argument is. You don't want to wear a mask? They oddly, you know, you're an anti-masker. It's mm -hmm. like, but I'm not an anti-masker. I wear a mask at work. Because that's what I have to do to work and make my clients feel good. But I defend the right to somebody who doesn't want to wear a mask because nobody should be forced to wear it, it, what amounts to a gag. They shouldn't have to be. Um, these people, this guy was like, I'm getting, I won't, I won't name the gang, but I'm getting an, an organized crime group after you. They're coming down and I'm coming with them. And I said, here's my address. Come on down. And he didn't show up. <laughs> because this is 99.9% of the internet. Um, but to my wife, 
she's worried about the interactions with kids or when she's not or when I'm not home or when she's out somewhere and somebody recognizes her. Um, and for that reason, I said, I'll stop because I knew it would die off a little and that stress relief would be for my wife and family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's difficult to be in that position because I'm not that guy. I, I almost very, I, I can't think of another time that I sat down from anyone or anything, even in a course that I, 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 I've taken beatings that I could have walked away from <laughs> just by saying, yep, sorry, I was wrong. You were right. And I wouldn't because in my heart, I knew I was right. Um, it's, this solely lands on the shoulders of Brian Pallister. It's that simple. When he started the shame game of any business that opens against public health orders, we're going to name them. The only purpose of that is to shame them in the eyes of the public who follow along to that like they were sheep to the shepherd. Exactly. And for our government to pit citizens against citizens for having independent thoughts, logical independent thoughts, is madness. That's absolutely crazy. Um, I've noticed, I called them out in an interview. I can't remember who it was, but I called them out and they played it. I was shocked as hell. They played it. And he stopped. There was no more. I haven't heard him in a single business at one of these press conferences now since I said that. Hmm. Whether I'm responsible for it or whether he changed policy is irrelevant. What's important is, is that the government stops threatening citizens. The people. With, exactly. With other COVID cops. He's essentially turned all the citizens of Manitoba into COVID cops. Yes. Now we have people calling, you know, oh, I think I've seen somebody go into that house. I don't know if they're related or not. Mind your goddamn business. Mm-hmm. They didn't go into your house. Mm-hmm. Mind your business. Mm-hmm. Um. So because of again because of that we had to we had to take a step back we had to take a step back. Um, mm-hmm. It's that's noble not if to I say can... that. Uh... Mm-hmm. Just just to jump in, I I just want to say it's very noble, and uh, you know the the action that you've done is courageous, and then the action to protect the, even just the stress level of your wife. I completely identify with her, and uh, and you you have to weigh things. You have to see like where can I make the biggest impact. You actually had a huge impact just by getting out and doing what you did and getting the media attention, getting the mainstream media to, to pay attention to uh, an alternative viewpoint is like, wow, so good. And uh, and I think that the fact is that until there's any substantial numbers that, w- that will do this to overwhelm the system, that they, they simply just don't have enough cops to send around and they don't have enough. And, and, the, and the public would be like chickens with their head cut off. But you're absolutely right. The, the government actually has to do very little right now. They have turned the people on themselves, right? Because they know they actually have the contracts. They have taken the oaths that they have to get our consent for everything. 
Yeah. Right. I, I, I saw somebody showed me a video of coming into Canada and they refused to sign a declaration form. They refused to declare anything. They said, I'm going to stand over here in common law where I'm safe and I'll continue to say I have nothing to declare. I have no goods. I am not in, in your commercial system. I have no commercial contract with you whatsoever. And uh, at the end of the day, they were willing to let him go with everything except they wanted to search his bag. And he said, I do not consent, but I will comply peacefully under duress if you give me a direct order and make a claim against me because he knew the second that they did that they became personally liable yeah, yeah. right now they're babies they don't know it so it you know in, in the end yeah. he, he he got through the system he never did sign he never did declare they did search him under duress he could have sued them and he didn't just because they're a bunch of kindergarten kids who have no idea what's going on but uh, you know, this this it is time to wake up and at least get behind those who are willing to do it and and get out and in the front line, such as you and uh, and please keep going. Sounds like you were going to say something before I interrupted you. Well, we haven't. Uh, we've we've been talking about it, and my wife's angry. She's angry now that 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 fear has turned into. Why Why are we now being forced by citizens? Why don't they see what's going on? Um, so I've been asked by a couple groups to speak publicly, and uh, I think we're going to. I think after some talks, that's what we're going to do. Um, we're also backing anybody else who's opening up. So not just here in Manitoba, but that, you know, the uh, Haberdashery in uh, Belleville, I think it was. Um, they opened up, I think they were only three days before the, the government dropped an injunction on their heads um, saying they were going to seize the place. Um, and now there's the uh, guy from the Whistle Stop. Whistle Bog? Whistle Bog or Whistle Stop in Alberta. He's been open, I think, two weeks. They served him with his injunction yesterday, I believe it was, um, saying that if he opens today, he'd be in contempt of court, and he said he was opening. So we're waiting to see how that plays out, too. But uh, I think I think the citizens of Canada, you know, they. I watched the government say it's, uh, what is it, COVID fatigue. COVID fatigue, they call it. I don't think that's the case. Um I think it's government fatigue. I think the people are sick of the goddamn government. Um, because, you know, I, I mentioned last night to a friend we were talking, and they said, you know, the government used to be able to fuck these things up just a little bit. And it'd give you a little blip behind the curtain, and people would go, oh, that's weird. But then they'd have two, three years of nothing where nobody would notice anything, and it would be forgotten about. And this has been in such short, short succession. I think, what are we now, month 11? Um, and it's been disaster after disaster after disaster that even people with no short-term memory are now connecting the dots and saying, hey, well, wait a minute. We're saying not to wear a mask at all, but now I have to wear three masks. And you're going to swap my anus? This <laughs> isn't playing out anymore. And I mean, I want it, I try to stay away from the media now. Anthony Fauci goes on TV and says, wear more than one mask. 
the media runs away with it. The very next day, he gets back on media and says, no, 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 you guys didn't understand what I meant. I didn't mean to wear more than one mask, but it's too late. Global News is still on story that we should be wearing more than one mask. The jeans go to the bottle, and I, I believe they do this on purpose to taint people's trains of thought. Because once they get that, oh, we should be wearing three masks, now we're going to be out there shaming people that are only wearing one. Right on. Exactly. Yeah. I, I work with archetypes. I think you and I don't know each other well enough yet, but uh, I, I train people to look into the you know, the blueprint underneath everything that you see, it actually has order, despite the fact that, you know, the government and the system wants us to think it's just chaos, and we need them for order. We don't, we already have. Now, I'm going to turn to, to God, because I have, this is this is my faith, that uh, when, you know, when you look into nature, it is highly ordered. It is so highly ordered, it's like it was designed. And so this is always there for us on, on the side. And then as soon as the, the pandemic hit and I saw them giving all these contradictory instructions, it's no mask, it's one mask, it's three masks and an aim swab, like you said, that's so good. Huh. And uh, and it, it is to cause confusion. And and what, what happens is people just end up um, going into the shadow of the child. All they can do from there, the people with an average nervous system, an average you know, intellect and having an average life, all they can do is pull the covers over their head and, and wait for it to go by and, and sure. you know, eat or drink it away, whatever it takes to, to numb the pain of it. And, uh, and, and it, in a way, it's a really good calling. It doesn't justify any of the means, but it's asking us to grow up and think for ourselves, and and just look in and see okay how do you breathe with a mask on not very well oh you you only get what 50 60 percent oxygen at best then i think i'm not going to wear that thing on my face and i'm not going to put it on my child either right so that's we we don't think for ourselves canadians are not thinking for themselves as soon as they feel like the government has it handled they don't do anything they don't study anything they don't look at anything Oh, you know, somebody asked me the other day, they said, uh, they said, you're a pretty smart guy. I keep seeing this meme and maybe you can answer it. And I'm like, okay, a meme. He says, uh, it says the world's in debt, however many hundreds of trillions of dollars. Who are we in debt to? I said, okay. He goes, well, who are we in debt to? I said, well, that's easy. Central bankers. The central bankers we owe the money to. And he goes, well, how does that work? And I explained fiat currency and how it connects back. And you can see this flicker of, wow, I had no idea how this is all connected. And that's exactly how it's connected. We know that the government has been serving disinformation for 100 years. What's more surprising is that the Ottawa citizen ran an article two months ago maybe, talking about how the Canadian government, military, the Canadian military, was setting up a PSYOPs division for propaganda purposes to Canadian citizens. And the guy said, what exactly is propaganda? I said, if you, if you look up the definition of the word propaganda, it's no good. He goes, what do you mean? I said, it specifically revolves around disinformation. So when they talk about, you know, let's charge Canadian citizens with spreading disinformation, i.e. 
it's the flu. I hear, let's sell propaganda to the Canadian people by way of the Canadian military. And that is so unbelievably crazy that the Canadian government has invoked the Canadian military to develop a PSYOPs division for purposes of selling propaganda to Canadian citizens. And I hate to say this because I know there's a very strong emotional connection where when you say this is what the Nazis did, the first jump is to you cannot compare this to the Holocaust. And I think people don't understand that the atrocity of the Holocaust was the end result of these propaganda measures that that government started invoking against its own people. That started, the Holocaust was the end result of what started a decade before of the government planting the seeds of doubt in their own citizens of, oh, you should watch out for those people. Oh, those people, you know, they might be up to no good. And the fact that the government is now playing these science games with Canadian citizens and they use their own term of propaganda, what is one supposed to think about what they're doing? Like, it doesn't sound like they're doing anything good for Canadian citizens. This sounds like they're the ones sowing the seeds of disinformation. So how are you supposed to fight against that? You know, they're, they're, they're snatching these people at the airport. And I said to my wife, I said, I find it crazy that they've told these people wherever they were coming from, you need a COVID negative test to get on the flight. And the test that they took was acceptable, but on the flight to fly back to Canada. And when they arrive here, they're told, sorry, that test is no good here. You need to get a test here. And that is going to have you sit in a hotel for three days until we get a result back. And if you get a negative result back, you are going to be thrown into a van and taken to an undisclosed location for now what looks like 24 days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how the average Canadian citizen doesn't see that that's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. The Canadian government is snatching citizens from airports mm-hmm. for a test that they required them to get to get on that flight, and they're saying it's no longer an acceptable result. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what do you have to fight back against that? So you go and you get their COVID test, and it comes back negative. And you say, but I got one in the United States that said it was, or it comes back positive, sorry. But I went in the States that said it was negative. And they say, yeah, we're not accepting that one anymore. And you say, okay, well, I want another test because I think test is wrong. And the Canadian government takes the same test and they test you again and they say, yeah, look, same result, you're still positive. Well, how do you combat that? Mm-hmm. And now suddenly, you know, there's, there's mothers crying in airports because the children have been snatched. Yes. That's crazy. I know. It's crazy that I the know. average Canadian citizen would think this is an acceptable means to prevent someone from getting a virus that there's a 99% survival rate. 99.97. Bad, 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's madness already. This is crazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. The whole thing has been weaponized against us to erode consciousness so that people are so if they're so afraid it's very easy to think they're stupid it's not the case they are traumatized they are like children and they haven't grown up neither did they know they had to grow up it was we've lived this whole life in peace and harmony in this country supposedly and we have been victims of of propaganda not a fan of being a victim and, and portraying yourself as one but uh, you know, all my life I've been subject to these messages. It made me ma- hate men, which is what inspired me to do this, this uh, podcast, King Hero's Journey. When I suddenly woke up and like, wow, I've been severely propagandized on this. I bought it, I owned it, and then I spread it. I became the, the, a spreader of the same propaganda. You know, so it is uh, medical tyranny, Don. You're right. It's absolutely a medical tyranny. It is a cooperation with the, with the military who who supplies the weapons of the smart meters and the 5G and the vaccines and the geoengineering. And then it filters through the commercial system so that it's so-called lawful under merchant law. They made us merchants, but they never educated us to say, you are a merchant and you can participate in these contracts. contracts. You can rebut and answer to the contracts. You don't have to go into their jurisdiction in court. You can write letters and show up in that respect and speak your piece and, uh, and, and, if you're willing to go the full distance, which most people can't, even if they know, they know the truth, but when they start to put pressure on you, you know, like you said, it was seven days in your business, you are prepared to go, um, threats from any, any turn, you're, you're prepared to go. And then you see like, oh my God, my wife is suffering. I, that's, that's it. I'm, I've, I've got to draw the line here. So, yeah. you know, if we're just one warrior here and there, it's easy to take us down. And that's why I believe it's time for mass actions. And we are working through in power um, movement locally to to set that up and 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 starting to employ other strategies, because at the end of the day, we all have to wake up every single one of us, I'm starting to train my kid in this stuff. Now, you know, I saw a 20 year old beaten by a cop on a video, I made me it was so disturbing. That was absolutely mad. He pistol whipped them with a, a less than lethal device, they call it. Like, I, I can't say that I've ever heard that part of the training for using a less than lethal device was to pistol whip somebody with it that you've already subdued on the ground. With Who's two guys. trying to call 911. He's trying for somebody to call another cop. That's, exactly. It's, I screamed. I screamed. I couldn't even control myself. I traumatized my own kid. I screamed when I saw it. It is over the top. Uh, you know, the, well, and the, the nine-year-old, the nine-year-old in uh, not Pennsylvania. I can't remember where the nine-year-old girl, there must have been 10 cops there. They said they couldn't subdue her. Grown adults, and they pepper sprayed her point blank in the face to get her in the you are you clearly by your reaction haven't seen this one body cam footage of uh they said it was some type of family dispute they didn't get into it i'm sure it had something to do with this child passing out but we're talking about a nine-year-old 
So even if it was the biggest nine-year-old you've ever seen in your entire life, any of you cops couldn't subdue a nine-year-old who said she was screaming all she wanted was to see her dad. And they said, if you don't get in the car, I'm going to pepper spray you. And they blasted her, full can, direct blast to her face. It was absolute madness. Madness. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So how bad does it have to get before the frogs are boiling, right? That, what, what is that point where it's so severe, it's so intense, it's in your face, it's your family, it's your nine-year-old, it's your father, it's your, your mother, your brother, and, and it's calling us to care, right? That's what's happened. The populations have gone into apathy as long as they have their own little world handled, and they've got yep. some Netflix or some booze or whatever it is that they need to get by. They've got yep. their job or their income or their check from the government. And 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 people just don't fucking care. And so it's I time. I can't imagine standing by. I could, like, that boy being pistol whipped, I said to the wife, I said, I, I couldn't stand there. I wouldn't be able to stand there and do that. Would I, you know... Would I jump on the cop and hammer on him? No, but I'm absolutely positive that I would have at least pushed him off. Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. You take a charge for it, fine. But mm -hmm. I can't stand around and watch you pistol whip a kid for skateboarding. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, what was what was the crime there? What, what, what did he even do wrong in the first place? Well, according to what they're saying, and I, I, I still can't be sure... Skateboarding and bicycle riding is illegal on the sidewalk. We've seen this here in Winnipeg, right, where cops, you know, short of a ticket quota, will roll up on family riding bicycles on the sidewalk and pull them over and give them tickets or no helmet, um, you know, rather than the education. And I'm not saying that all of them are doing this, but there's enough of them that it's making the news that we're seeing it. So instead of pulling somebody over and making an educational moment, hey, you know, it's illegal to ride the bike on the sidewalk. Hey, you know, it's illegal to ride the bike without a helmet. We're seeing these overt actions um, because it's a pay-for-play scenario, right? Mm -hmm. You write tickets to make the quota, then you've made your quota for the month. Mm -hmm. um, so this kid was apparently on his way home from work. You can see in the video he's wearing, like, uh, a reflective vest and some work boots. He rides uh, what they call longboard. It's like a, basically a surfboard with wheels. It's bigger mm -hmm. than the average skateboard, uh, yeah. more of a form of transportation. Exactly. But I guess he was riding it on the street. And the cops decided that he couldn't ride it on the street. Um, there's, no, there's no narrative on what the interaction was other than I'm sure it was the kid resisting. Why am I getting a goddamn ticket for riding a skateboard? Mm -hmm. Whatever mm -hmm. it was, mm -hmm. short of that kid swinging on the cop, there's absolutely no reason for any of that behavior. Exactly. Riding exactly. Skateboard. Yeah. You know, yeah. we've, we've mm -hmm. become a, a, a nation of rules and regulations. And I'm not an anarchist by any means. But I see signs like, you know, no skateboarding. And I look around at what they're skateboarding on, and it's uh, a brick wall or cement railing or some other innocuous object that isn't going to be damaged by what they're doing, not going to cause any great bodily harm except to maybe the guy who's riding the skateboard, but they know what the end result of this is. 
But yeah, we need to we need to start in, like in enforcing. We're using law enforcement officers to enforce criminality on on places where there should be criminal action to begin with. You're a law enforcement officer part of the time. You're a community policing representative the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So actually, they I do not. Sorry to interrupt, but they don't enforce law. They enforce policy and they don't know law. It's by design. They don't know law. So they never can back up. Oh, yeah, you're right about that law. They don't know law. All they get is orders unless they they take it upon themselves to study law like we are. And uh, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No. um, So what these guys end up doing when I was a kid growing up, we had beat cops in the neighborhood and those beat cops knew everybody in the neighborhood, knew their first names, knew where they lived. And because of that interaction, we had more respect, even though we were doing bad shit, we still had more respect for the fact that, okay, you're the good guy, it's your job to catch me, I'm the bad guy, it's my job not to get caught. And it was, there was never any interpersonal actions. Where now there's such a large disconnect with the law from law enforcement in the community that it's an us against them mentality, mm-hmm, and exactly. you have these cops that that do these strong arm actions on people rather than saying, "Hey, man, listen, don't ride a you know don't ride a skateboard on the street." Exactly, exactly. Hey, buddy, hey, man, how's it going that- today? Just want to let yeah. you know we we, we don't allow all. this because grandmas get scared, and it does happen. I get scared, and I'll swear at them. Um, you know, it's first of all, it's victimless crimes. Second of all, I think some of those videos are literally engineered and rigged to make us hate our cops because, frankly, I would l- rather have my cops across the street that I already know, that know this this culture, that know these people. I don't, I don't want international mall cops like we, like uh, Prime Minister, like uh, um, Pallister yeah, yeah. hired to come in who, who like, they literally don't give a shit about us. They have no means yeah. for, for, for that whatsoever. So I'd rather have our cops. I'd rather deal with our cops. I'd rather have conversations with these guys. And so yeah. it's pushing us to that place where, where we hate the law enforcement. We're saying defund the police. Oh, come on, it's defund government. Actually, I have a friend I talked to last night. He's starting a movement, defund government. If we just all stop paying our taxes, don't pay those tickets, write letters, fight this stupid stuff, then then uh, and have nothing. Get yourself off the voter registry. That is the next thing that I'm doing. Like, you know, so that I I am not complicit right now. I would be complicit, although I haven't voted. But uh, the fact that I'm on that registry makes me complicit to crime. And so getting myself out of this. I'm not going to war with Rome, but I will remove myself from Rome. By the way, uh, David Vincent said it it was in his city that uh, that happened, I'm assuming, with the uh, the young kid. Oh, yeah, in Barrie. I think it was Barrie. Barry, Ontario. So it was Canadian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was definitely Canada. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. When people yeah, do I, this, uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I, it was only when I started looking into, I guess, how to unplug from the matrix that is the Canadian government. Was the first time that it dawned on me. I was like, why do I have to be a part of a system that I don't support? because I was born here. I have no control over where I was born. I, I, you know, and they say, 
you know, what if what if you were born on Mars? Well, but I wasn't born on Mars. And even if I was born on Mars, does that mean that I have to buy into the system on Mars? That doesn't make any sense to me. If if I want to enjoy, and I'm I'm the first guy to say I've had people say, oh you know, pull his uh, pull his healthcare, pull this, pull it, have it. You can have it all, all of it. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, if that means that I don't have to buy into the rest of your shit, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if that's the small price I have to pay to not buy into being a a uh, compliant citizen under any kind of tyranny, then you can have whatever you'd like. Anything that I'm using yours that's connected to your government, you can have it. But the truth of the matter is, is that I'm not using any of those things now. I mean, I'm, I'm paying for them. We, I had a conversation with a guy the other day that I don't even know online. It was on uh, the woman uh, Santos Facebook page. Um, she's pushing for free transit. And I understand the need for free transit, but this gentleman said, I don't use transit. Why should I have to pay for it? And her response was, well, you don't have to pay for it. All three levels of government will cover the cost. And he said, well, yeah, I, I pay taxes. So where do you think government money comes from? That's me paying for it. And... Uh, he had mentioned at that time that uh, I actually commented because socialism, that's why. And uh, uh, he commented that that way of thinking was more akin to communist North Korea. And after making that comment, he was accused of being xenophobic. And I had to jump in and say, well, Communism is a political ideology, and North Korea is a geographical location. So I don't know how you make the leap to xenophobia or racism based on these crazy policies of a government's money. It's not the government's money. That's our money. That's the money that you, you take from us and these programs that they're funding outside of that, even the, the COVID programs. Um our PSP remittance this year was, I think, a quarter of what we normally remit because of how much we've been closed. Mm-hmm. And we're one business. Where does the government think this is going to come from to refill these coffers? Well, I mean, we know that they're, you know, the old the old joke, money printer, go burr, because that's what they'll do. Um but to the average citizen, when you tell them that, like, all of these businesses, they're first and close. And a lot of them that will never reopen ever again. You know, the Jets, and I'm an anti-hockey guy, but they're, they're the big ticket. The Jets, Walmart, uh, Best Buy, these guys get decades-long provincial tax incentives to operate here. Mm-hmm. So people believe that these places are paying all of this money in government taxes, and they are not. They're generating PST and GDP by way of spending, but it's our money. It still makes it there through our pocket and our labor. And if the fruit of my labor isn't protected, 
what I can create with my own hands that I was born with. Why do you own a piece of that? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I was born here? Exactly. The, the money is just debt. It's the same name as sin. Sin means debt. It's a commerce system. And uh, so they've got us hogtied in this way. That's why things aren't illegal. It actually wasn't impossible for you to open. If you pay the price, you can open. That when a corporation does a crime on the people, as long as they're willing to pay the price, they can do it. There's no actual uh, no in there. It's just like, how much is this going to cost? Okay, I can I can come up with that money. No problem. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're locked in this way. Um, I, I appreciate what, what Tanya said. Oh, yeah, it's funny. She just said debt is sin. That's funny. And she also said the government isn't the problem. Ultimately, we are. And I agree with this totally, that it's our mind and we have to change and we have to grow up. So, you know, it, so yeah. we can make government obsolete and they are offshore corpor- corporations. In fact, none of the money that uh, is made uh, on, on the backs of the labor is, uh, is staying here. It goes, it goes into their offshore accounts. And the only real value is our labor. And again, this is one of the reasons that I love entrepreneurs, because they are willing to work their asses off to have some kind of sovereignty to do the thing that they love or they want to see happen in the world. And yes, uh, Steve, they don't need your taxes whatsoever. Look at the scale of the financials. Look at the trillions of dollars. This is not even actually conceivable. We're just used to hearing the word the word trillion. Now yeah. we have no we have no yeah. idea what that even means, and yeah. at, you know yeah. what level it's. Uh, it's a real thing. So I'm super, super excited to have discovered you here. <laughs> Not like I did it uh, personally or anything, but I was, I was uh, excited to hear your story. I'm like, yeah, go team. I know I tried to, I tried to give you, you a donation instead of take your t-shirt. And, uh, but in the meantime, I had someone put their hand up and say, please send me this t-shirt. So I'm, I'm going to lay it on them. Can you tell our audience how to, how we could support you? What are the ways that uh, we can put our vote towards you and, uh, and, uh, um, be in support of your efforts? Well, there's a couple ways. So right now I, uh, I'm i doing support parlor tattoo t-shirts for limited edition, full color, mermaids, battleships, tattoo stuff. Um, they're available on our Facebook page. You can message us there. Um, we'll figure out how to get one to you. Um, I'm also doing... Uh, and this was totally by accident. Um, I'm doing the uh, uh, Don't Snitch on Your Neighbors shirts. So I have some of those available on too for uh, cost. And that's perfect for for those international that are, are not here locally. It's theparlortattoos.com is your URL, correct? Theparlortattoos.com is the URL. Um, Facebook is the best way to get a hold of us for anybody who still has one of those accounts. Um, or even if there's messages on there to uh, figure out how to do it online. We do have lots of people that just email us um, because they don't subscribe to uh, social media. Um, uh, yep, that's all correct. Yep, that address is good. And I can also put up your email if that's a, a good way. I, I don't suppose you know Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's parlortattoos at gmail.com parlor tattoos at gmail.com so the, the parlor tattoos the, at gmail.com yeah yeah the uh you know when i was first enlightened to uh the conversations of 
battle slavery and social insurance numbers and uh, corporate borrowing of money on a federal level uh, based on the labor that an individual will produce. I was like, this is this is crazy. No wonder they want you trapped in this matrix because they they borrowed money against your predetermined labor between birth and death. Exactly. Exactly. And then they have to balance. Yeah. First, they create the, the birth certificate to open your account. And then they have to create the death certificate to balance the books and, 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 yeah. and shut it down. Right. And, and it, it is okay as long as people understand who they are and that they are they can participate in that. In fact, they're in a way obligated to participate in that. We, we are causing harm to ourselves and to society by not participating by not becoming aware of our status and seeing that there are two things going on. And that if you stand by yourself as a living, breathing man or woman, and you say, actually, I am not that person. If they say, are, are you Phil McClellan? You say, no, um, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm commonly known as Phil and I have a family yeah. corporate name, McClelland, uh, and yeah. I am the agent of that all caps letter straw man that you created, but that's not me. Yeah. Yeah. And, you, and none, of your, none of the laws that you're trying to apply, apply to me. I am the living man and the living woman. And I know it's not that simple, but I can't help myself from blurting this shit out and just giving people some kind of a, well, a thread to follow. It is that simple to get people to pull on that thread. That's, that's what I find is the important part. I give people those little pieces of information and I say, listen, I'm not hiding it. It's not a secret. You can Google it. And there's lots of people like, oh, you trust Google. Listen, you can't. You can't trust Google. But what you can trust is that you'll get enough pieces of the puzzle together that you'll be able to ascertain what works and what doesn't. And yes, there's lots of disinformation out there. The first thing that you have to wonder is, why is there a contractual you and there's the being of you? Why are the names spelled differently? Well, Google it. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> yeah. and, and it'll open a whole new world for you of, of, of information that's available that they don't hide. That's the most surprising part to me that I tell people is that they're informing you. None of this is a secret. You know, I, I spoke with a guy the other day that I know online. Says he is a professional criminal investigator. And he genuinely wanted to know what the conspiracy was around the Great Reset 2032, Davos 2020. And my friend was trying to explain it to him and didn't do a great job because he's, he's learning to understand and I jumped in and I said, first off, it's not a conspiracy. None of this is a conspiracy. All you need to do is go to their website. So I almost very rarely share any questionable links to websites that are just even newspapers because it's opinion or an editorial. I supply this guy with a link to the Davos 2020 webpage. I supply him with a link to the World Economic Forum webpage. I supply him with a link to the United Nations webpage on Agenda 2032. 
And he comes back and says, I don't see the connection. And it's like, did you read any of it? <laughs> well, I kind of skimmed over it. And I'm like, then you didn't read it. Because they're, they're not hiding it. You can go to their web pages. They'll tell you what they're doing. The Great Reset was a conspiracy theory two months ago. Justin Trudeau himself said it was a conspiracy theory. A month later, he's on television telling you how he's going to use the pandemic to start the Great Reset. Exactly. Like, exactly. It's not I mean, a con they, what, what, is it a conspiracy yeah. now or is it a conspiracy then? Yeah, exactly. Or we just had it occur. Mm -hmm. No, it's fascinating even to use the word because what it really means is to breathe together, to conspire, right? So no, no surprise that they've made breathing an issue with masks and, uh, you know, shooting people with, with heavy EMFs so that it uh, interrupts their ability to take in oxygen. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's the war on breath. It is the war on life. And, uh, and, you know, in the end, I feel like life wins, that you cannot take life down. It's life that created these, these evil forces. And uh, so they can't win over. But in the meantime, it's, it's not over until we say it's over, right? That, that yeah. it, it is in our hands. We live in the world of free will. And, uh, and so we say we're, we're the bosses here. We just are, have no idea that we are. <laughs> of service. We've forgotten that they're public servants. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, exactly. Never mind that part. They, they swore oaths to, to that exactly. So, wow. Well, I'm so glad to have talked to you. It was a really fascinating, beautiful conversation. Please, everybody, use the email, theparlortattoos at gmail.com to, uh, to get yourself a t-shirt, a, a support Parlor Tattoos t-shirt or a uh, don't snitch. What was, the, what was the line on your, your other one? Don't snitch on your neighbors. Don't snitch on your neighbors. Exactly. That's very high sin, high crime or sin or immoral. It's just immoral. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much, everyone who's been in the chat. Very, very active, very involved in this conversation and uh, appreciating you and uh, all this conversation that, that needs to go on and on. And I'm happy to host it. So uh, if you are looking for any kind of insight at the level of your own psyche to see what is the behavior coming from either inside yourself or outside of yourself, I, to me, this is an inside job because the moment we see what kind of power we have is the moment that they cannot uh, rise up against us anymore because it's all in our hands. We have free will of choice. And uh, feel free to visit, visit my website, bethmartins.com. And you can get a reading of your journey archetypes. This is the hero's journey that we're on. In 10 minutes, you can learn where you are on that path and gain some insight and, and uh, start to bring shadows to light so you have more energy than you did. It's just tied up now in the subconscious, suppressing parts of yourself that you don't like. And uh, so let it, let it come to the surface. Do that quiz. You'll get some insight. Uh, I have a copy of my book there, Journey as well, a, a map of archetypes to find lost purpose in a sea of meaninglessness. So I hope you have a chance to, uh, to go there. If you're in Winnipeg, get a hold of, of I, I wish I wanted a tattoo. I don't. <laughs> I love people that have tattoos and I just don't. I'm, I'm afraid of pain. I like henna tattoos. I have enough pain in, in my life already and I'll, I'll, I'll pass on that one. You never know. I'm, I'm, I might, I might they're do not, it one they're day. They're not for everybody and that's okay. 
Exactly, exactly. But I love the art. I love art. And that's really the basis for, for what I see you doing. So uh, thank you so much for, for coming on today. I, I wish you the best. And, and please continue to let me know how I can support you. Thank you very much for having me on and helping me uh, spread the word that uh, it's not as painful as it looks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good to know. Excellent. See, I'm glad I said that. All right. So as you're getting some good props here, great show. Thank you, Phil and Beth. Epic. Great show. Thank you. Throw at the door. Very good. Awesome. Much love. Okay, everyone, have a beautiful rest of your day. We shall see you Monday with Joe Martino. I will be on at 3 p.m., if not sooner. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. See ya.